Welcome to Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Relationships are probably where we spend the most time and the most energy in our lives. They can be the sources of our greatest joy, but they can also cause us the deepest pain and frustration. This podcast is about helping you connect a little bit better every day in your relationships. Welcome to episode 44 of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Today I am really excited. My guest is Jessica Spear. Jessica Spear's book, BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships, grew out of her friendship program that strengthens social awareness and helps kids learn to navigate common struggles. She has a master's degree in social sciences and explores social-emotional topics in ways that connect with preteens and teens. Jessica, welcome. I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here with you. telling you just before I hit record... um, that I'm so glad you wrote this book, first of all, it's so needed, and I'm so glad that this timing worked out for you to record with me because everybody's back to school and people are in person for the first time in some places in a year and a half or two years, and I'm having so many of my clients and patients calling me moms who say, help, my daughter's involved in all this friendship drama, and we're all kind of out of practice. And so I think the timing for this book is perfect. Yeah, I'm, I it was originally scheduled to come out in 2020, and we held it, and I'm so glad, because it actually gave me a chance to do one more final review and edit but also the timing, like you said, is perfect because this is a crazy time. So here we are, we're out of practice, you know, with our social skills. And also, you know, if we look at this, it's been 18 plus months. Kids have changed a lot. You know, I look at my daughters who are now 13 and 15, and they were different young people when we started this. I mean, they've had two birthdays. So, you know, of course, there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening at school right now because um it's been a long time yeah yeah and boy those ages i i also have a 15 year old so when we're done recording we might have to talk about yes um but i have so many clients i talk to that have daughters that are really struggling with friendships right now and i just want you to talk about why friendships and social struggles are so common in the preteen and the teen years you know, and this, I find this answer helps so many parents because our first reaction when our girls start to struggle is, oh no, you know, what's going on? But when we understand what's happening at a deeper level, it's it's a huge relief to folks. So at the very surface level, what's happening is when kids are in preschool, early in early elementary school, friendships are often based on proximity, you know, and they're all about play. So they're the kids in your class and they're your neighbors and, you know, they get together and they play. There's this shift that starts at about the upper elementary, you know, and really heightens in middle school where it's all about, you know, our, what we like and our interests, and then it shifts to deeper levels of acceptance. So that's happening, this shift of, you know, proximity to interests, 
into deeper levels of acceptance at the surface level, but underneath that, even making this a little more complicated, there's things going on. So at this age, so preteen years, kids start to prioritize um, friendships almost over family. So, you know, their friends take a greater importance in their lives. And we feel that as parents, that's when they stop, you know, really wanting to be seen with us. And, you know, we just feel that shift and it's perfectly normal developmentally. So that's where this need to fit in starts to really, you know, take shape that they really need to fit in because these friends are taking on a bigger role in their lives. They're also starting to explore their own identity. You know, so who am I and who are my friends and what do I like to do? And they start to experiment there. So that, you know, plays a role in shifting friendships. Girls' confidence drops in the preteen years. So we all know that sometimes when we're not feeling our most confident selves, you know, it impacts our relationships. And then just to throw the icing on this complicated cake, we've got puberty. So in puberty, we feel our emotions most deeply. You know, that part of our brain ramps up prior to the regulation part of our brain. So we feel things really deeply. So when we look at all that going on, yeah, of course, this is a time of change and strife. Um, and it's one of the things that inspired me to write this book. I, 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 when I was working with girls in my friendship program, they often felt like it was just them. And just by having them in the room and seeing all these other girls that are experiencing this too, it helped to, you know, just to normalize it, that this is a time of lots of change and struggle and to help them avoid making stories about themselves and who they are and their worthiness, you know, that this is just part of this stage. And we, we learn to navigate through that. Um, and, you know, at the same time, we learn to kind of shape our identity and figure out who we are as a friend and how we want to be in our relationships. Yeah. And I love that part of your book. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But as you were talking, I just wrote down a few things. One of the other things I realized as you were talking is that it also is kind of one of the first times that preteens and, and teens, they really have the choice in their friendships because the parents aren't orchestrating them anymore. You know, you talked about proximity and there's a lot of research on that. I did my master's thesis on friendship. And as you were talking, it came, it was all coming back to me is that even as adults, a lot of our friendship choices are based on proximity. Um, and, but also, our, we're, we coordinate them when they're younger in elementary, right? And then once they get to the end of elementary or middle school, and certainly by the time they're in high school, they're coordinating their friendship get-togethers. And the parents are a little, well, they should be a little less involved. <laughs> they're not. Right, exactly. But, so that's <laughs> difficult, too. I know my daughter just started high school. And she called her older brothers because one's in grad school, one's in college. And she said, like, how how'd you get your friend group in high school? Like, what'd you do? And I'm always telling her, you've got to initiate. You know, you have to kind of make the plans because they're used to us making the plans. And then all of a sudden, right. they have to do that. And they're not that great at it, you know, in the beginning. Yeah. And it's not easy. You know, sometimes some of these groups feel so fully formed that it's it's like, how do you even 
enter that group. You know, and some groups are more welcoming than others. So it is tricky. It's really tricky, and it takes some time. Um, you know, and with my girls, I I always remind them because you know we start to wonder about ourselves. Like if we just don't have a close friend, or you know, this isn't feeling really easy. You know, is there something wrong with us? And there is nothing. You know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with girls that are going through this. It's really common. Um, you know, one of the friendship truths in the books is, um, you know, French, close friends are hard to find and might not happen, you know, till middle school or later, because it is hard to find a really good fit um, sometimes, you know, and, and there are gaps. Um, but what's hard for preteens and teens is those gaps. That feels that feels scary, you know, when they are really looking for deeper levels of friendship and, and that level of closeness and they don't have that, that can feel very unsettling. One of the things I really love about your book, and, and just to kind of tell our readers or our listeners rather, that the age range for this book is about 8 to 12, and and it really fits that. As I was reading it, I was thinking, my daughter's 15, and there are parts of it certainly that she could use, but the quizzes, the language, the um, the illustrations, like they're just perfect for that age group. And what I love about that is I feel like if you kind of get in there in that time, you're sort of paving the way that they may not have as many difficulties and struggles when they get into high school or a little bit older. But one of the things you included is a self-assessment about what kind of friend they are. And I can't tell you how grateful I am that you've done that because so many kids and so many moms, because I don't work with the kids, I work with their moms, only look at how others aren't being a good friend to their daughter. Um, And I always say, I was coaching a mom through this the other day, and I said, you need to look at what kind of friend is your daughter being? Because, you know, I, there's this old saying, and I don't know who to attribute it to, but to have a f- friend be a friend. And I've taught my kids that all the time. Yes. Like, be the kind of friend to others that you want. And so I love that self-assessment where you really have young girls look at, what kind of a friend am I to other people? Because I think sometimes that's where the friendship issues can start. Yes, and little things that we do that we don't even realize that are hurting our friendship. So that section, you know, that quiz is filled with all sorts of quotes that, you know, we can all see ourselves in. You know, when we read that, you're like, oh, I, I've kind of done that untrustworthy thing, or oh, I've also, you know, I've done that too. So it just brings it back to that humanity level, you know, that we are all human. None of us are perfect at this. You know, we're all learning these skills as we go. And that helps to, yeah, if we keep lurking internally as well as externally, we're going to manage this whole thing in a much better way. I'll just throw out one example that I remember. Um, One of the questions is about like, are you always the talker? Are you the listener? And it's kind of like, and kids do need to learn that skill parents need to learn that. I know because I'm a listener as a counselor most of the day that sometimes when I talk to my friends, I just want to talk, 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 talk because I'm always listening, right? And so to conscientiously, so still in my early 50s, I am really intentional or I try to be with my friends like is that balanced but you know eight-year-olds don't know to do that. Ten-year-olds don't. That they really need to 
sometimes just sit back and be a listener, like that that needs to be balanced. So I think that assessment looks at these skills that a lot of kids don't think about and take for granted. And it's good to kind of practice those and become aware of them, become aware of their strengths and maybe some things that could use some work as a friend. Yeah, the the more self-awareness we have, you know, the better we're going to be able to be the good friend that we want to have ourselves. So, you know, the the book is filled with lots of, you know, ways to just check in with ourselves and, and balance that out with as we look at the, you know, the conflict and the struggles that we're experiencing, you know, what's our part in that? How can we, how can we navigate that the best way and, and grow from it? Yeah, because we're real quick to look at someone else and not always ourselves. So um, speaking of that, you have a chapter on friendship skills. Can you share um, which ones of those do you see especially lacking in girls today? And how can we as moms maybe model or help teach those a little bit better for our daughters and our sons? I know your book is specifically aimed toward girls, but I know I, I tried to model good friendship behaviors for my sons too. Absolutely. And and you were right on the mark when you said the age range, um, you know, 8 to 12. And that's the reason I wrote this book specifically for girls is what I was finding in elementary school, you know, because girls start this process a little bit earlier, they were the ones having more of the struggles at that age range. Um, so I wanted to make this really relatable to those specific struggles and stories. So that's what I, that's why this focus is girls, which I realized, oh, I left out, you know, half of the population. Um, But I want this to be really relevant for that age group. Um, I have another book coming out next summer that actually, you know, it deals with with an older group and, you know, all genders. I'll just say all genders. Um, But back to your question, as far as friendship skills and girls, um, I think one, one of the struggles that I notice girls at this age have is, you know, healthy communication. Um, so speaking up and when I was running my friendship groups, we would practice that. And that was really scary for girls. So say they aren't being, they aren't being treated well in their friendship. How do they speak up? That's really scary. So, you know, they're afraid if they speak up one, it could end the friendship and, and they don't really want to end the friendship or Two, they could speak up in a way that, you know, this this relationship actually doesn't feel very emotionally safe. So they could speak up and that could, you know, maybe bite them later down the road. So there was a lot of fear in speaking up. So we would practice, okay, how do we speak up in a way that our friend might hear us, you know, rather than, you know, causing more conflict or, you know, turning it into a battle of criticism and blame. So we'd practice that, you know, using those I statements and things like that. But for me, I think for girls who are, you know, they're, they're really sensitive to their girlfriends and, you know, trying not to hurt anybody's feelings and, you know, do the right thing that often speaking up for themselves and advocating for themselves is a skill that takes a lot of practice. It is really hard to do because you're right. You you think, am I going to jeopardize the relationship? Will this person, if I express any dissatisfaction, will they just walk away? Um, and then I think what you have going on, especially today, although maybe it's always been that way, is then sometimes they turn other friends against you. You know, this yes. is what I hear a lot of in my practice is that there's this you know, ripple effect that if, if you have a problem in one friendship, then suddenly everyone in the group isn't talking to you. 
Right. And this is something we as parents can help them with. Really encourage them not to bring others into the the friction or the struggle because you know it's as women and girls you know when when we are struggling with something we want to go vent with the friend um, but that quickly kind of turns into the situation where there's gossip and it feels like us versus them and ganging up so um, it's 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 tricky you know because girls want they want to feel supported in these in these tricky situations but that quickly crosses a line where it is you know you know turning a group against a person so helping them find places to vent maybe they will do that with the parent you know venting you know really getting talking through the situation with a trusted adult um, so that they don't have to bring other kids into the struggle yeah well kind of going along with that this is something I'm seeing a lot and again maybe it's always been this way but I think social media sort of places a magnifying glass on all these friendship issues yes Um, but I see a lot of girls struggling with what I'm going to call exclusivity um being left out or leaving others out and sometimes I think it's very intentional and sometimes I think it's not intentional you know there's just you can only have so many people over or in a car especially with COVID you know um, groups are kind of limited and so it's not exactly bullying but it can be really devastating and I will just tell you Jessica this is the thing that most moms come to me about that all of a sudden they don't know why but their child's being excluded they're off the group text or they're not being included to all of the outings um, and their kids see it on social media or they hear about it in school. Is there any advice that you have for girls or for these moms that, you know, want to be there and support their daughters and give them advice on this? And that, I'm so glad you brought that up because that is so painful. You know, so we talk about what we, what we, you know, discussed earlier that this is an age group where they are putting more, um, you know, weight in their friendships. They're trying to fit in. They're finding their identity. Then all of a sudden, you know, it feels like they're being excluded from this group. That can feel so threatening and so sad and scary. So, you know, for parents, I encourage them just to really help their daughter process those those really tough emotions, you know, just not stuff it, just really help them navigate all those, those tough emotions. And you're right with the social media, it shines a light on all this stuff. So if we weren't invited to something in the past, we might not know that, you know, but now it is so instantaneously clear what we're not invited to. So what parents can help girls do um, is help them jump to immediately conclusions. So making assumptions that, you know, they're all their friends don't like them anymore, or, you know, so let's, let's, let's wait until we have maybe more information before we jump to conclusions and make assumptions about that situation. You know, it could have been like you said, maybe the mom limited to five people, maybe there's only this many seats in the car. Um, So just, you know, avoiding that, avoiding, you know, the stories about that until we really know for sure. But if that starts to happen on a regular basis, um, it could be one of those shifts. So we talked about earlier how they're, they're forming identities and they're trying to connect with people with shared interests and they're trying to connect, you know, at deeper levels. So it, it is possible that 
this is a shift going on. And what I love to talk about with parents is there was this amazing study done out of UCLA by a developmental psychologist a few years back. She followed 6,000 sixth graders in the LA area, 26 schools through middle school and tracked friendship changes. In the very first year of middle school, two-thirds of them changed their friendships. So, you know, and so that's that's hard. You know, friendship changes are never easy. So even though it's it's so difficult, it's possible that that's a situation where, you know, this friendship is no longer a fit or this group is no longer a fit. And, you know, at you know the highest level, we would love to say, oh, we wish that wouldn't happen. But sometimes if, if a group isn't there for your daughter, if, if she's not the one that, you know, that she feels really accepted, that, you know, they have really, you know, shared interests, you know, she wants to find that. She wants to find the group that she feels really accepted and connected with. Um, and I talk to girls about, you know, that shift happens all the time. And it continues. It's not just one shift. It starts in, you know, early elementary school and it keeps shifting, you know, almost all the way through high school. You know, kids enter groups, kids exit groups, friendships change, you know, friendships, you know, go from close to acquaintances and vice versa. So that shift happens a lot. And the only thing we can really do is just keep trying to be the friend we want to have. You know, keep, you know, working on our skills and looking for the friendship's that we want in our lives, you know, looking for the qualities of friendships we want in our lives. Um, so I don't know if that helps, you know, your clients. It's, it could be many things. It could be that shift. It could just be one of those one-off things that just kind of, oop, and then something changes and it's, you know, back to the way it used to be. Mm-hmm. And I think about that, you know, as you were talking, I was thinking about that with my sons who are now 24 and 20. And yeah, they the per, the group they sat with at the beginning of middle school was not necessarily the same guys they were sitting with at the end and the same with high school. You know, some yes. of those friendships were consistent, but I think the media paints this, oh, BFF since we were two kind of picture that we sort of think that all of our friendships should be long-term. And I think you make a really great point because even for us, you know, there are seasons of life where maybe we were friends with the mom because our kids were at the same school or on the same soccer team. And then you just sort of drift apart as you move or you change schools or your child doesn't do soccer anymore, that not every friendship is meant to kind of endure for the long haul as people right. change, you know, what they're looking for in a friendship is going to change. It just still, I think that initial hurt, that initial rejection is particularly hard for girls who, as you mentioned early on in the podcast, and it's come up in several of my podcasts that um, that's the stage that our confidence is the lowest as females is in those middle school and in those teen years. And so it's just like a double, (laughs) a double whammy, right? To be rejected when your confidence is already the lowest. Yes. And it does. It feels horrible. So I think that's where parents can jump in and just help them validate those feelings, you know, that yes, this is so hard. Um, But also remind them that, you know, 
with my book, what I was trying to do is change the narrative a little bit because I do think we have this this societal vision that you know these, this BFF thing when that is not actually what's happening, and that's never really happened. You know, in 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 the course of humanity, especially during the preteen and the teen years that's just not what happens you know this is a, a phase where kids are trying to figure themselves out they're going trying to figure out where they fit they're testing out you know identities themselves so you know I see I see this so much you know one in fact that's why I think it's so interesting with kids going back is some are going back to school with completely new identities so now all their classmates are trying to figure out oh look, did you, have you seen so-and-so? And they're trying to figure out, well, who is this is a changed person than we saw prior to the pandemic? So, um, you know, all these things, they continue to change. And even though it's not easy, it's it's pretty normal. So encouraging our girls not to make up stories about themselves. You know, they are okay. You know, this is just, friendships do change over time. We just do the best we can. You know, we all make mistakes. We all exit friendships in sometimes not the best ways. You know, I wish there was an easy way to do that. But, you know, ending and changing friendships is is never easy um you know and 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 sometimes like i said it's it's not even a change it might just be a little blip there might be some conflict or friction there that then they they might need to look into and you know in a respectful way you know check in like hey you know did I do something, you know, that, that upset you? Because I, I noticed I wasn't invited to this, you know. So instead of escalating it and starting rumors or, you know, ganging up, just really you know, checking in like, hey, I noticed this, you know. And so there's all sorts of ways to navigate this, but it, it's not easy. No, it's not. And I love what you mentioned earlier about teaching girls to speak up because I think a lot of times they just suffer in silence rather than just doing what you said like did I hurt you in some way um I noticed a couple years ago just sort of a distance in one of my friendships and I didn't know you know what was accounting for it was it we were busy growing apart did I do something and I did just what you said I just went to her and even for me as a grown woman who studies communication and relationships to go to her and say did I do something that hurt you because I feel like something's different and she told me I did, and it was completely unintentional. I had I didn't know I did what I did. Um, I didn't know she was going through something, and apparently I, you know, wasn't there for this thing that I should have been there for. Um, but I sincerely apologized for it, and we worked through it, and are great friends. But had I never spoken up and said. Did I do something, you know, and then taken responsibility and apologized and tried to repair things, we might not be friends to this day. And so, you know, I think sometimes when our kids are going through this, we can share that with them. You know, we can say, yes. oh, you know, there was a time I was excluded and it kind of made me look at my friends and and reach out and make new friends and look at who do I have shared interest and shared values with and you know, kind of initiate new friendships. So I do sometimes tell parents to kind of admit your friendship mistakes or hurts to your kids so that it does, going back to what you said at the beginning, normalize this for them. Yes. And, you know, if if your your daughter or son will allow it, you know, you can help them role play. Like, how can you ask them, you know, casually next time you see them privately, what might you say, you know, have them practice that because it is hard to find the right words. And I think that's a lot of the hesitation for girls is like, 
how am I going to bring this up? You know, I don't even know what to say, but if, if they will role play with you, you know, that, 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 that casual phrase that you said, Hey, you know, did I do something that upset you? You know, that's a great way to connect um, and just check in and see, because maybe it is something that they need to talk through. Um, and, and there's so many conflicts that are just misunderstandings or, you know, expectations that haven't been met in the friendship and, and they're unintentional. So it, it wasn't that one friend was intending to hurt the other friend. They just, you know, it, we're humans. We we have different expectations. We have different needs. Um, so these things, they happen. Yeah, yeah. And I think, too, to kind of teach your kids um, to be humble and to not be defensive. Because I think if you're going to ask someone that question, did I do something to hurt you, um, you have to be really in a place where you can receive the answer. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that takes a lot of maturity, doesn't it? So it's you know, it's, it's these are really complicated things we're asking kids to do. We're not asking them, but we're encouraging them to, to practice because it does take a lot of practice and it might not go as planned. You know, it might not go well, but at least they tried. You know, they did their very best to try to address this, you know, in the healthiest way possible, but who knows how it's going to come out, you know, because that depends on the other person also, you know, being in a place like you said to hear it and to respond in a respectful way. Um, and I, and I, when I was working with my friendship groups, that's what I was picking up um, from from the girls is they're like, we can say this in the most perfect way. However, it still feels really scary, you know, that there's still a good chance that this is not going to work out well. But I always encourage them, it's worth a try, especially if this is a friendship that really means a lot to you, that you really would like to repair and improve. Um, So that's always, you know, my indicator that this is a great time to practice this skill because this is a friendship you really care about. Yeah, yeah, that's great advice. Um, I notice a lot of girls are drawn to, and I'm saying this in air quotes, my (laughs) listeners can't see that, but... I don't really like the word popular, but I'm going to use it here because I couldn't come up with a better word. But I see a lot of girls really drawn to what I'll call the popular crowd, even though often there's a lot more drama and competition in those crowds of girls or boys in those groups. So I guess I want to ask you, what do you think in working with girls makes someone so desperate to be in those groups? even if it causes more heartache, if it's people who really don't share their interests, who really don't share their values, but they still want to be friends with those people so badly. Yes, and and I'm so glad you brought that up because this is so common, and this also starts end of elementary and peaks in middle school. And so this word popular, um, which we can talk about in more detail too, because there's different times, kinds of popularity. And I like to have girls really dissect that. But to first answer your question, why are, why are kids so drawn to that? And the reason is, you know, we all as humans want to be known and seen. And so here's this group that is so known and seen, like everybody knows them. They are the popular group. So that can feel, you know, to a preteen, like the golden ticket. If I am in that group, I am known and I am seen. So so that's why there's so much draw and appeal there. You know, that whole basic instinct of wanting to be known and belong. Um, 
so back to the popular thing, which I think is, I, I love digging into this because it's so interesting. Like, what is that? So when you dive into that, and there's lots of research on this too, there's different kinds of popularity that I like to bring into kids' awareness. So there's popularity of kids that I'll say are well-liked. So they're the kids that you just really like being around them. You know, they're good people, they're kind, um, you know, they're, they're positive, they're just, they're, that's one set of popular kids. And then in mostly middle school, there's another set of popular kids where how they stated in some of the research is high status. And so there's status and usually that status is gained by power. And that's where we get some of the, you know, the typical mean girl behavior. So to get that power, um, there's some stuff going on, maybe them gossip or taking other people, you know, down a notch. Um, So that sense of popularity, there's often fear assigned with that. So we're a little afraid of that group. You know, yeah, it would kind of be nice to be there, but we're kind of afraid of them too. You know, like we've seen, you know, kind of what goes on there and that's a little scary. So, you know, those, I like to differentiate that because, you know, we can really look up to the popular kids that are popular because they're really good people. You know, they're, they, they're really leaders and they, you know, are kind and they do the right thing. And then there's the high status students. And, you know, are those the qualities that we want to cultivate in ourselves? You know, do we want people to be afraid of us? Do we want, you know, to, to have a lack of trust? And so I like to make that distinction clear when I'm talking to kids, because then it helps them start to look for the qualities they find important in friendship. Yeah. I, I'm so glad you made that point because I agree with that. And I think it's something that parents really, listen, parents, if you take one thing uh, from this, I think that's the most important thing to take is that we have to teach our kids some of those differences. And what do you, what examine what your desire is to be part of that group? Why do you want to be part of that group? Is that something, is that you? You know, because I see people who almost self-sabotage because they so desperately want to be part of that power group, that status group, but it's not who they are. Right. And, and, and this is the other thing. This is, I hear this all the time from moms in my practice. Their kid gets in that group, right? And they're miserable. They're so yes. lonely because it's not about authentic connections a lot of times, not all the time, but so they feel lonely even though they are in that powerful status-filled group. Yeah, or they feel bad about themselves. I remember chatting with a, a group of girls and one of the girls said, um, you know, she was in this group in, in sixth grade. She was in that group and to, to stay part of that group, she had to really kind of talk badly about other people and um, treat people in a way she didn't like to. So she ended up leaving, but it took a while because she was a little afraid to leave because of then what they would say about her. So it's, 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 this is tricky stuff to navigate. Um, yeah. So, it doesn't make you want to go back to middle school, does it? <laughs> no. <laughs> I went to one of those schools that was like first through eighth. It was parochial school. And um, and so I didn't really, I mean, we didn't have like middle school, right? So I don't remember that. I remember like friendship being more challenging in high school, I think. Um, yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's really tough, but I've really always talked to my kids. And I actually just... 
I posted this a long time ago on my feed, but I actually just reposted this in my stories yesterday, the day before. Um, there's a quote from Jim Rohn that um, is, uh, choose the five people you spend the most time with, or you become like the, peop- the five people you spend the most time with, so choose carefully. And yes. I have been telling my kids that every first day of school, every time they join a new team, every time they start a new job, um, to really think about those things. So like friendship is not a passive choice. It's an active choice. And you get to pick, not 100%, but you get to pick who you spend your time with. And so pick Mm -hmm people. Pick people that make you feel included. Pick people that bring out the best in you, that have those values that you do. Like, yes, if your values are not to talk badly about people, why would you choose the group that does that? Yes. And even this, and I love that. That's such a great way to guide kids. And knowing that they all continue to grow and change what I've seen happen sometimes is they think they found this perfect group and then maybe in eighth grade this group starts to dabble in some things say they maybe you know you know start to get interested in drinking and and all of a sudden it's no longer a fit and so then it's time for another shift so it's 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 almost constant I remember when my daughter was in one of my daughters was in upper elementary school and her friend group got so into their phone that she didn't actually have a phone yet. Their, their, her friends got so into their phones in this app that she, she, she felt she had no connection with them anymore. You know, they had kind of moved on. She was still wanting to, you know, be in the current phase of childhood she was in. You know, she really loved just playing games in person and, um, and that group had moved on and, and, that was tricky. So we had to navigate that again. Like, okay, who, who still likes to do what you like to do? You know, so, so as soon as we feel like we're set, you know, we, we might have to shift again, but you know, that's okay. You know, that's where just as parents being that, you know, really stable grounding support for our kids, letting them know that this is just this phase of life where we are all growing and changing so much. Interests are changing so much. Values are changing so much. So we just kind of keep exploring ourselves and, you know, keep growing ourselves in the direction we want to grow, but knowing there's going to be ups and downs. I wish I could say there was a way to avoid that, (laughs) but, you know, but it's just, it's part of the phase. Um, it's part of the phase and it's it has big highs and it has big lows and we just we just navigate our kids you know as lovingly as we can through this phase well and don't you think as you were talking i thought you you also learn about yourself and who you are through those yes you know through those shifts through some of those rejections you know your daughter learned who she is um and I know that was one of the shifts for my son, my 20-year-old, um, he's almost 21. He doesn't drink. He's never had a sip of alcohol, and he doesn't ever want to, even when he turns 21. That's just his personal preference. And so, you know, you can imagine how that impacted friendships in high school and college. You know, he doesn't get asked to go to the parties or the bars. Oh, well, let me, let me take that back. 
often he would get asked to be the designated driver because oh. his, his friends all knew that there was no way Harry was going to drink. So he he's a very safe designated driver and he's often been that. But it definitely, yeah, you're right. Your values and your interests as they change and grow is going to kind of shift. And as a result, I think you, you can learn more about who you really are. Mm-hmm. And just realizing, you know, that this friendship might not be the right fit for this moment of your life, you know. And so I think sometimes we have a tend tendency to throw a lot of baggage on that. You know, we'll label those friends or we'll, you know, label ourselves, but we're all just growing and changing. So let's try to avoid the labels. You know, those kids that are got way into their phones, you know, when my daughter wasn't, they're different kids now too, you know, so she, you know, she still plays on the same team with them. So it went from close friends to, you know, acquaintances and now teammates. And that's one thing that I think is really important for us as parents to realize is, So for us as adults, when we want to shift out of a friendship, it's a lot easier for us. You know, we we probably don't sit next to the person in class every day. We probably don't play on the same sports team or, you know, some a club. So for kids, if if they're needing to make a shift, it's really complicated because there's a good chance that they're gonna be in that person's class or one of their classes or, you know, in some sort of activity for the next six years. So I encourage, you know, my daughters to just navigate this, you know, as gracefully and as carefully as they can. You know, I, we talk about not burning bridges. You know, sometimes we do need to put a, you know, a boundary down. So we know that this is not um, a friendship that is serving us well. Um, so we might not put energy into that friendship, but we also realize we're going to see that person almost every day. You know, so so how do we how do we do that in a way that that makes it not uncomfortable for everybody in the room? You know, so so we get to a place where we feel comfortable that they don't feel like you know they've been disrespected in any way. Um, you know, so it, it's tricky, and this happens all the time. You know, I in the book I've got the friendship pyramid. You know, at the top are our close friends, and then in the middle is all these you know most of our friends, and then acquaintances at the bottom, and things shift up and down that pyramid all the time throughout our lives. That's That was going to be my next question about, you know, why that is that useful? But you're right. And I think to kind of realize that they don't all need to be up at the top. You know, you don't really have room for everybody no. to be a best friend, you know, and that to kind of keep those acquaintances where they are for a reason too. And people move up and down. I love that. Um, and I think I've, I think what is so important for, because most of the people listening to this podcast are going to be the moms, so they all need to get this book for their daughters, for their uh, daughters who are in that 8 to 12 age range. Mostly moms are listening to this podcast, and one of the themes that keeps coming up over and over again is, I think we can't just take for granted that our daughters know how to do friendships. These bumps are going to come up, and this book is a really good tool for the daughters, but it's also a really good tool for moms to kind of take a look at it and see maybe what things they need to be modeling and teaching for their daughters. Yes, because friendship is a skill. 
and it takes practice and it takes maturity. Um, so I, I love to frame it that way. To me, that feels like a growth mindset that we're all working on our friendship skills um, and we're getting better at them as we practice them. So, you know, taking it away from good people, bad people, right, wrong, you know, this is a skill that we're all working on. Um, so that that's a helpful conversation for families to have. Um, but also, you know, really getting clear on what those, what are those skills? What are, what do healthy friendships look like? You know, what do they feel like? And, you know, I put the title of the book is BFF or NRF. So, you know, I even have a little section, you know, what is an NRF? Because it is good to know when we find ourselves in a really unhealthy situation. Um, Sometimes that's not really clear right up front. We'll jump in, this feels really great. But then farther down the road in the relationships, we start to notice, actually, this doesn't feel really good. And, you know, maybe there's some big breaches of trust. Maybe this friend is nice sometimes, but really mean other times. So um, in the book, I, you know, as simply and as clearly try to outline that, you know, what is a not really friend. Um, And again, I was, I was so nervous to even label that. I'm like, oh no, I don't want to add another label to the world. So I'm like, what is the softest way I can describe a friendship that's not really feeling like friendship. I'm like, oh, not really friends. You know, so so there the the title of the you know the book was born, the NRF, not really friends, because at that moment that is not feeling like friendship. The skills they are not there for friendship. Um, but when I define that in the book, there's you know clear like important. Everybody changes. You know, kids learn these skills over time. You know, and so when you talk to adult women, you know, they will you know, maybe later in life meet a girl that they had, you know, really a conflict with or maybe was labeled as a mean girl. And that person is not like that at all anymore. You know, so so over time, we learn these skills and we get better and we grow as individuals and we heal. Um, so, you know, even staying open to that, someone that is an NRF you know, behaving like an NRF now, you never know. You know, by junior year in high school, you guys might end up in the same club and end up really liking each other. You know, so staying open is key. That doesn't mean you have to be, you know, friends with them. You know, you can always be kind and respectful. You don't have to be, you know, BFFs with them, but being open to even changes in the people we don't like. I'm so grateful that you did that, Jessica, because I really do think we can get in a very lazy habit of calling people the mean girl or looking to the person as the reason the friendship's not going well or not healthy or ended when it's more than likely the dynamic. It's not either one person. And you're right. People change and dynamics change and people mature and they learn to communicate better. So I really love your intentionality. I will admit when I saw, because I've been following you on Instagram for a while, when I saw BFF or NRF, I did think like, what is an NRF? Because I hadn't heard that. And I see like on the book, it's really clear that it says not really friends. But I'm really glad you made that distinction about the relationship rather than labeling a person. Right. And I, and I, I, I had so much reservations about this because, again, I, I just want to avoid labels. But when I thought about, okay, if I want to really try to explain what this feels like to be in this phase of life, things often do go from feeling like a BRF to a not really friend. I mean, that is such a true scenario. It happens to all girls at some point. Um, but let's let's dive into that NRF. You know, it's 
it's a lack of skills, maybe it's a, a misfit at that time, but it doesn't define forever. You know, we're all growing. Yeah. So I've got one more question for you before we wrap up here. The book explores the difference between conflict and bullying and ways to respond to each of those. Can you share a little bit more about that? Sure. Um, and you know, one thing that I've noticed in the, you know, the past couple of decades is schools and society has done a really good job of bringing light to bullying because we need to shed light and make that stop. Bullying is not okay and, and it, intervention needs to happen. Um, the tricky thing now is so many things that are not bullying are getting labeled as bullying that sometimes we'll miss the bullying. So it's really important for kids and teens and their parents to understand the difference so that we can navigate them the right way because we would approach each one differently. So just to be clear on bullying, so there's, there's, you know, experts agree there's some, some consistent things that happen with bullying. It's intentional, it's repeated, it's pretty aggressive, and there's some sort of power imbalance. So it almost feels like one way. Maybe someone has a lot more social power. Maybe someone has a lot more physical power. So this can happen online. This can happen in person. But again, it's intentional. It's it's repeated. And it's pretty aggressive. Um, so that is bullying. Now, what's much more likely and much more common is conflict. Now, conflict is going to is going to pull in rude behavior, mean behavior, you know, unintentionally hurting someone's feelings, even, you know, maybe not inviting someone to that party that one time, um, you know, because there's probably some underlying thing there, especially if there's no power imbalance in that situation. You know, these are two girls that kind of are same playing field. It's so most things fall under conflict. So if it's bullying you know, we need to figure out how to get that to stop immediately, um, you know, and working with the school counselor or the school, whatever way the victim of that feels most comfortable addressing that, but that can't be allowed to continue. That needs to stop. Now, conflict, on the other hand, it depends on the situation. Every situation is different and every person is different as how they want to respond to conflict. So for parents, this is where we can help our girls and boys figure out how might they like to proceed in this situation. So I find it's really helpful if, you know, let's just say, let's use the example of, you know, our, fr our friend didn't invite us to a party. Okay, so let's just, we, that's not really bullying, you know, because this is a friend or maybe a sort of friend. So it's not really bullying. Let's, there's lots of ways we can deal with that. First, you know, we talked about before, you know, we can kind of practice a you know, non-confrontational way that we one-on-one -on -one talk to them about that to see if there's something that we, you know, did to upset them or something we're not seeing here. Two is, you know, some girls might decide to say, you know what, I'm just going to, I'm just going to wait and see what happens here. You know, this is kind of a one-time thing. You know, we don't we don't get involved in every sort of issue that comes up with us. You know, that would be so overwhelming. So we kind of choose our battles wisely. So maybe this is a thing that's, you know, this relationship isn't quite as important to us. So maybe we're going to let this one just fly by, you know. So, or, or what else? Have your daughter list out what else might you do in this situation? Because I think helping them list it out you know, what are four things you could do here helps them process, you know, 
you know, responses for themselves and what they feel most comfortable with. So I feel like getting really, um, you know, almost strategic about that, helping girls think that through, you know, what is the situation and how, what do I feel most comfortable with responding? And that's one of the friendship truths I have in the book is when things get tough in friendship, it's important to respond in a way that feels right to you. So I want to empower girls to find that response that really feels right to them. You know, we as parents can push our girls, you must do this, you must do that, and we often don't know the whole dynamic of the situation. Um, so I, I really encourage girls to, you know, look within what in this situation feels really right to you to handle that, you know, what response. Um, so that's why conflict, there's a whole menu of ways that we can deal with conflict, and it's going to depend. Yeah, that's great. And I think it really is important to make that distinction between conflict and bullying, because you're right, It reminds me of, you know, all of a sudden everybody knows what gaslighting is, which was a term really we only used in psychology. And now everybody thinks everything is gaslighting. When anybody's rude, it's gaslighting. And it's not. And it's the same thing. Not everything is bullying. Sometimes kids just have conflict, have some exclusivity. Um, And so, you know, one of the things I was thinking as you talked to is one of the things that I think parents can do, I've tried to do with my daughter is... Um, as our kids get on social media to remind them that they don't have to post every get together on social media, you know, because there are times you can't invite everybody or there are times when, especially with COVID, we have to limit numbers of interactions or people have pods, but you also don't have to kind of rub it in everybody's faces. You know, if you're going to have a small get together, you don't have to post that on your Snapchat or your Instagram or if your kids have social media and that, you know, to teach your kids not necessarily to lie or be secretive, but they also don't have to share everything. Yes, I love that. And I think that's one reminder that parents can always make because you know, kids might be caught up in the moment and fun. They might not think about, you know, the few friends that are not there at that moment. Um, so that is a great reminder because we know how much upset that causes, you know, and, and maybe reminding them of a time that they felt that, you know, they, they, they were that, that, that person that wasn't there. And how did that feel? Exactly. Well, you have given so many great suggestions and such great wisdom. And I just want to remind people, the book is called BFF or NRF, Not Really Friends, A Girl's Guide to Happy Friendships. And Jessica, where can our listeners find you um, on social media? Where can they buy your book? Oh, and thank you so much for having me. I just loved chatting with you. This was so fun. And um, the easiest place to find me is my website, which is Jessica Spear, S-P-E-E-R.com. And on my website, I've got all my um, social channels so you can quickly connect, you know, there. Um, And also on my website, I do, um, you know, I blog regularly on this. And when people sign up for my blog, they get a PDF version of that friendship pyramid we talked about because I I found that a lot of parents like to just have that on the fridge you know the the you know what are what are the qualities of close friendships what are the qualities of our not really friends you know so so that is available if, if anybody's interested in that um, but it's just was such a pleasure ch- chatting with you my book is available pretty much anywhere books are sold so it can be of course found on Amazon um, you can request it at your local bookstore Target um, so yeah thank you so much for having me 
Yes, I've loved talking to you, and I will put links to all of that. And, you know, one thing we, we kind of ran out of time, but I'll just throw in here real quickly, is that the book has lots of interactive components, which is geared exactly toward that age group. So there's lots of fill-in-the-blanks, there's quizzes, and I think girls um, of those ages really love those kinds. And it's just the illustrations are very whimsical and fun, too. Um, and it's even kind of... In the version I had, it's printed on like kind of graph paper, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's supposed to look like just like a fun, one of those fun, you know, preteen magazines. Yeah, exactly. That we all, we and all it did. really mm-hmm. does. Yeah, so I think it'll really appeal. You know, I think it'd be great. I don't know how big it is, but maybe stocking stuff or a great Christmas present. Um, just really great for girls that age. So thank you so much again for your time. I really appreciate it, Jessica. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Connecting with Dr. Kim Swales. Hopefully, you've heard something that will help you as you continue to navigate the connections in your everyday relationships. If you'd like to connect with me on Instagram, you can follow me at Dr. Kim Swales or check out my website, www.kimswales.com. I'd also love if you would click subscribe and leave a positive review or a five-star rating for the podcast, as well as share it with your friends and family. The material in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only. If you are in need of medical or psychological counsel, please seek a licensed professional in your area. This episode was edited by Taylor Mays.